Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm Jordi, and here with us today is Kristen Sapola, who is a publicist at Berkeley and works on romance titles. Today, she's going to be sharing with us her unique perspective on what it's like to work in the book publishing industry, and we're going to chat about our love for the romance genre. So Kristen, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. All right, so let's dive right on into it. So Kristen, can you share with us a little bit about where you work and how you got there? Yeah, of course. So I am a publicist at Berkeley, working on Berkeley romance titles. I have been in publishing for about six years, and I actually started at a literary agency and then hopped over to publicity. Um, I've been with Berkeley for about six months now, and um, I just very quickly learned in going to the publishing side of the industry that publicity is where I'm meant to be. It's so exciting. It's an adrenaline rush. I find it the best kind of rush I've ever experienced in my career. Oh, that's so exciting that you finally found like what excites you the most. What is it about publicity that gets you that way? It is getting the media wins. So um, it's not always easy to get really big media that, I mean, if that was the case, every book ever published would be in the newspaper or on TV. But when you do get those bites from editors or producers or podcast hosts, it just feels like, wow, I did it. And it really does feel like an adrenaline rush. Yeah, that sounds super exciting. So what are some of your favorite and then maybe least favorite or some stuff that you just didn't know was going to be part of the job before getting in? I think the my favorite is the fact that I get to talk with authors who before being in the industry, I would just look at as like, these superheroes, if you will, or celebrities. And in meeting them and talking to them, I realized, oh my gosh, they're real people and they're just as amazing. But it's cool and a very good reminder that authors are people and we can love them so much, but they are people and, you know, they want their book to succeed just as much as we do. So that's always been super cool. Um, and then I wouldn't say that I have a least favorite, but I think I thought that. Um, going into publishing years ago, I would have so much time to read during my (laughs) nine to five. Um, And that is not the case. And I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about this who work in the industry, like our job is not actually to read during work hours. Um, So I would say that was like the biggest wake up call, like little 22 year old me all those years ago learned is like, oh my gosh, I (laughs) I have to read (laughs) after work, which I love and it's fine. But I think there was this misunderstanding of what a typical publishing job looked like before I was actually in it. So what does a typical day for a publicist look like then? So being a publicist is really cool in that every day looks a little different, even though I am doing pretty much the same things. So most of my job is actually spent pitching books to media. That is what a publicist does. We want to get national, um, local type media. Um, So to do that, I have to create pitch letters. And to create a pitch letter, I have to read the book. So I like to compare this to those persuasion essays we used to have to write when we were in high school, but more fun. So it could be very tricky because you want to capture the essence of every book, but you don't want to give away too much. 
So I like to say that um, my job is to be like the biggest tease ever to the media because I want to give them just enough information for them to want to read the book. Um, and then in addition, honestly, a huge part of my job is organization. There's so many moving pieces and things to keep track of. So whether that's scheduling author interviews and keeping track of that, book tours, which are now happening again, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. So as I said, there's so many moving pieces and the more books you work on, the, the more pieces there are. And you just have to be able to really keep things in order, um, keep really good notes. I have a million and one Excel sheets. I, I live for a good Excel sheet. So that has been my best friend in this job. And then I also have been trying to meet with media contacts every few weeks. And when I first started doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's really scary because I'm such an introvert. But I quickly learned that all of these editors love gushing over romance books as much as I do. So we just get to geek out together. And I always try to throw in my obsession with Taylor Swift because I want to become, I want to be known as like the Taylor Swift loving publicist if I can. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. (laughs) I am also obsessed with Taylor Swift. Oh, great. I'm going to email you all my little playlists I've curated to go along with books I work on. I love that so much. Like me and my sister will spend hours just like analyzing Taylor Swift lyrics and then trying to figure out the connection between things and relating it to everything in life. So this is amazing to hear. Yeah, especially because Taylor Swift songs are so angsty and full of love and longing and heartbreak. And that's what romance books are about. So it's just like the perfect mix. Oh, I love it. Um, So this kind of, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording. But I know, especially with some of the books, the romance books that I read, they romanticize the book publishing industry. And so I wondered if there's anything about like working in the book publishing industry that's true to how we romanticize it on the outside or like what are some things that aren't the same? It's very interesting that you did say that because I feel like that is the first thing I always say to people that want to talk to me about the industry is that, uh, you know, on social media, especially, and and in books we read, it is romanticized. Uh, At the end of the day, publishing is a business like any job. So I didn't get that until I was in publishing because I too came into it thinking, I'm going to work with books and authors and that is a dream come true. And it is. And I feel so blessed to have this job and be in this industry. It is still a job. So that's to say, while there are days that I love everything about it, there are still days where everything is not perfect. And while at its core, our job is to work on books, there's so many other parts to that. So from the moment a book is acquired to its campaign, a book's life, there's so many steps that have to happen. So it's not just that we get to read a book and then we get to talk about it. There's just so many little details about it. The part that I will say I is true when you, you hear it and you talk or you read it in books is we do get to work with authors and we do get to work with books. So at its core, that is very true. Um, and, and it is amazing, but it is a business. And that can be uh, hard to understand, I think, if you're not in it and you don't see like the nitty gritty of things. But like I said, there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes for everyone involved in publishing, not just a publicist. Uh, during the the life of a book. So what's maybe one of the nittiest and grittiest or most grueling aspects to it that people who don't know what's going on, um, just so we can see like a peek behind the curtain? I think it is how hard and how much time goes into 
pitching a book. While not every book gets the same media, right? Like we see some books in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, in People, Vogue, things like that. Not every book's going to get that, but it is a publicist's job to figure out which media outlet is best for each book. And so that could be tricky because what works for one book is not going to work for the other, just based on what it's about, based on the author, based on maybe the background of the author and why they wrote this book. Um, So I think the amount of time that goes into pitching a book, I don't know if people know. For instance, I'm working on a book and I have pitched it. I've done about like eight rounds of pitching in the past like four or five months. And it's not that I'm even pitching the same people. I'm pitching different people, different angles. And I want to pitch this person about this opportunity and this person about this opportunity. And it can get, it's hard. It's hard to find the the perfect angle for each editor. And it's t- a lot of times it's good timing and to just really know your audience. So there's a lot to it. Yeah, that sounds like it could be very daunting, especially when you're trying so hard to get it out there with the four months, like you were saying, and I'm sure some take longer than that too. Oh yeah. And it it depends. Each book is different and each, each timeline of each book can look different in terms of the media you want to get for it. Um, like some outlets you would want to pitch six plus months in advance and others have a shorter window of time. So it is a little tricky, but it is very rewarding. And it goes back to what I said. That's why it feels like an adrenaline rush. Cause when you do finally book it, it's like, oh my gosh, it was worth it. Like all this hard work. Yeah, that's so awesome. So maybe to round out this part of the segment, what is some or what are some pieces of advice that you would give to people aspiring to get into the industry that maybe you wish you had known or was given before you got in? Um, I think a good piece of advice is to start where you can and to just learn about the industry as much as you can. Getting your foot in, in the door seems like the hardest part, but once you're in, you can always figure out where you want to be. So for instance, I actually started out as a receptionist out of college, and I by no means wanted to necessarily be a receptionist, but it allowed me to grow in in my career and really figure out what part of the industry I wanted to land. Once my foot was in the door, it was a bit easier to say, okay, let's try to go for this, or let's try to go for this. And, and that you just learn so much. And in learning, you can figure out where you want to be. And then my best piece of advice, I think, and it is the most cliche is to let your passion show. I don't think people put enough stock in that, but, um, that's what I tell everyone who wants to get into publishing. Um, you have to show your passion. You, if you come into publishing, it's because you clearly love books Uh, If you don't like reading, I feel like you would not come into publishing. So let that passion show. There's no such thing as too much passion. And at the end of the day, authors are full of passion. That's why they write regardless of what they write. So yeah, I think do not be afraid to show that side of you because that speaks louder than any skill, I think. Well, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. All right. Now let's dive into some of our favorite parts about the romance genre and just talking about that. One of the things that I feel like gets brought up a lot when we talk about romance, just anywhere in life, like on social media or with friends or whatever, is the stigma that romance isn't as literary or it isn't taken as seriously as other genres. And so I just wanted to know what you thought about like that stigma that's out there. I feel like in the past few years, that stigma has 
drastically changed. Uh, and I think a big part of that is because of the readers uh, and how they represent what they read. Um, I remember when I was younger, I would read all my spicy books on my Kindle or my phone because I didn't want anyone to see my the covers of them. And now people read these books without shame. And I think that's amazing. And I think that is what broke the stigma. Because at the end of the day, if you don't like romance books, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you don't like them, you just don't read them. And that's the same with ending. If you don't like more literary books, you just don't read them. And so I think people have embraced this idea of reading what you want. And I think that's amazing because I remember, I might go on a tangent, so sorry. I remember in college, I was in one class and someone was shaming Twilight. And I remember standing up in the middle of class and being like, we don't shame people for what they read. Like who, if you love Twilight, which I did and I do, like who cares? Like reading is reading. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that people forget when they have these conversations. Like if you're reading, you're reading. Like I don't really care what you're reading, whether you're reading all literary novels or commercial fiction novels or nonfiction or romance, like you're still reading, you're still activating your brain in this creative way. Completely agree. I used to pick out historical fiction books where the main story revolved around some sort of romance. And I I had no idea that the romance genre existed up until I think the end of my college experience. And I was like, where have I been living my whole life? And it just completely changed my world. because I was like, there are full books just dedicated to the plot line that I was looking for. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I love it so much. Does that kind of translate over into the publishing world? Like, is romance seen as like different than any other genre or is it all kind of the same? I can only speak from my perspective of things and not as a whole view of publishing. I think right now, especially because romance is having its time to shine, if you will, because of things like TikTok and um, just social media, I think people in the industry and outside of the industry just have more respect for romance because regardless of personal opinions, it's clearly doing what it's supposed to do. It's selling books. It's getting people engaged in, in reading and talking about books. Uh, So I hope this moment that romance is having and has been having continues. And I think it will, because now that people see romance, it's ever changing as is, you know, any genre really. So I think um, because romance has been so widely accepted now by readers as a whole, I think it's starting to be viewed in a, in a higher regard than maybe it had 10, 20 years ago. All right. What does the future of the romance genre and industry kind of look like? Cause you kind of mentioned that it's growing. So my hot take that I'm only saying from my perspective is I think paranormal romance is going to make a comeback what that looks like I'm not totally sure uh, but I do think it will be very much in the realm of paranormal romance not so much maybe fantasy or contemporary Um, I also think we are going to get more traditionally published books that really amp up the spice I think people want open door romance scenes and we're going to really get books that are very explicit in their love scenes. So I suspect in the next year, we're going to see a lot of those books come out. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned paranormal romance because I work part-time at a bookstore Mm -hmm. and our paranormal romance section has expanded 
a good amount since I've started. And I started back in the summer. And I think it's funny when people go to check out those books because they either are completely fine with them. This kind of goes back into your, like when people feel like felt the shame of like buying some of these books, they either like have to explain why they're getting it or like, oh, I don't believe in this stuff, but I just like, like to read it for an escape or they're just completely open about it. And they're like, I love it. And I just want to tell the people who are like, feel like they have to explain themselves to me. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, you like what you like, buy right, it. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I have think fun. this idea of readers judging other readers is it's very old. Like, I, I feel like that's not a thing. I realize people still judge others, unfortunately, but like embrace all the types of books you read. I will stand up in the metaphoric college class for any reader and yell at the person judging them that we do not book shame. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay. So what is it like working with authors in the romance genre? It is so fun. Prior to working at Berkeley, I, I worked with more commercial fiction uh, and what it's still fun, but romance authors are so quirky and fun and you can, you can joke with them and be more casual with them in a way that I haven't experienced before. So I, um, I will always throw in like, if I know an authors like Taylor Swift, when her new album released or came out that it was coming out, I was like, are you so excited for Midnight's? Like, are we ready? Do you want to help <laughs> create a playlist? And so I think there's this good, this really fun and good balance of I, being professional, but also being able to just show your personality. I think um, there's, there's no overly seriousness. Like it's unnecessary. Like we love the quirky, romantic, rom-com, spicy books. And I feel like a lot of these authors realize like, I'm just going to be myself. And I love that. Yeah. That sounds like such a great and positive work environment. Like that just sounds amazing. Okay. So to wrap up our time together, could you give us maybe a few book recommendations or some things to look out for in the future that are coming out? Yes. So I have three Berkeley titles that I'm very excited about that I want to put on your radar. So the first is Do I Know You by Emily Wiberly and Austin Sigmund Broca. This is coming out January 24th, 2023. This is a second chance romance of a married couple who got married pretty young and come their five-year anniversary, they are like, what is going on? We are not feeling the same way we do. And one thing leads to another and they are introduced to each other as strangers. And the story is about them re-falling in love with one another. This one just gave me all the feels as someone that did get married pretty young. I felt very seen in this book and it's something I haven't seen before. So that one's really great. And they love Taylor Swift. So look out for a playlist for that one. Awesome, I'm adding it to my TBR right now. (laughs) (laughs) um so the second is sorry bro by talene buscuni it comes out january 31st so this is a queer rom-com following an armenian american woman who uh rediscovers her armenian culture and comes to accept her sexuality as well this one is so beautiful so powerful so rich with culture Um, I feel like it talks about um, things that maybe an American audience is not super familiar with and I love it and the author's reason behind writing this book is so powerful so I think this one is something that should be on everyone's radar 
And the last one, speaking of spicy, is The Nanny by Lana Ferguson. This comes out April 11th. So a college student gets a job with nannying a child for a single dad. And little do they know that they are very familiar with one another because the woman was on OnlyFans and the father was her number one fan. And when I tell you this book packs the heat, I was sweating. I had to literally put my Kindle down at times because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. And it is so good. And I think people will be very, very pleased with that. Oh my gosh. These all sound absolutely amazing. I'm definitely going to get them now. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're really good. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, red woman is a dangerous creature, creature. I'd like to invite you to join the National Women's Studies Association this November 10th through the 13th at the Hilton Minneapolis for the annual conference. The 2022 NWSA conference theme, Killing Rage, Resistance on the Other Side of Freedom, seeks to open up conversations about freedom and justice, salvation and sacrifice, convenience and controversy, and whose life and vote matters. At our conference, you can connect with other activists, feminists, and scholars from across the globe. This year, the keynote speakers are feminist leaders Angela Davis and Anita Hill and many more. Don't know what NWSA is? The NWSA is the world's largest group of feminists, activists, and scholars dedicated to advancing women and women's studies across the globe. So are you a feminist? Join NWSA at nwsa.org to become a member and to see more details on this year's conference. Again, that's nwsa.org or follow them on Twitter at NWSA or on Instagram at NWSA underscore IG. We hope to see you this November here in Minneapolis.